Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast where it's always football. There's no offseason. We'll talk about anything football. And other stuff too. Jeremy Mox here, Matt Kennerly. Been a little while, but we're back at MWWire.com. Back, always there to uh, to get you through the long off season. Too long. Yeah, too there's. Long. Yeah, it's like football in general, even NFL. It's like okay, September, maybe late August, depending on how good your team is. First week of January, five months. It's like the opposite of baseball. Baseball is like an eight eight month season essentially. With four months of offseason, football is the opposite. Yeah, so I just I went and double-checked real quick. As of tonight, we're recording on Thursday evening, January 18th. 218 days until Wyoming kicks off against New Mexico State. That's it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, so, uh, well, 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 we'll get to those games eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do off-season here, officially, I guess last time was officially off-season, but our plan is to go every um, record Thursday, post sometime Friday, so you have it for the weekend. So if you're traveling, out of town, whatever you may be, we'll have something for you. I'll go ahead and promise every Friday, but there might be one or two where, sorry folks, stuff happens. But if you have any topics, let us know, because we had some fun stuff last week. We already mentioned our March shredness coming up, but... We're doing draft stuff, maybe a tiny bit of recruiting, some interviews. We'll have some make make believe topics and just hypothetical stuff. But we're here to fill that football void because there's some podcasts I'm aware of that stop when football season ends. And like, why? What are you doing? Why are you slowing down, guys? No, I mean because you know recruiting the the second recruiting window is right around the corner, and then you know before you know it, spring football is back in March, and then. Yeah, you know. uh, Aztecs February, I believe. Oh, is it, is it better? Well, you know, better for us. Next month. <laughs> better. <laughs> Next month. And then you know, beyond that, sooner sooner or later, we get right back around to team previews. So, Te- team previews, NFL draft, and that's what we're going to start with tonight a little bit. Some draft stuff because there was the uh, bowl game last week. Um, was it the? Uh, There's some weird Tropicana bowl. I don't know what it was, but a few guys like Montel Cozart participated. But we're not going to talk about that. We're first going to talk about Josh Allen. Everybody knows how much he's my favorite quarterback, right? He is very divisive. You wonder the best tweet I've seen. This sums up Josh Allen perfectly. Okay. Um, I know I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Bomani Jones. I am. Uh, ESPN. I am a bit. I'm a pretty big fan of Bomani Jones, partly because he follows me on Twitter and we we chat a, rarely. We have publicly, so that's cool. Here's his tweet. Tell me if you think this is a tweet that describes Josh Allen the most. He goes, I haven't seen much of Josh Allen, but I've seen enough to say these two things. One, he's going to go early, and it doesn't take long to see why. Two, he'll probably get that GM fired, and it doesn't take, them to, doesn't take long to see why. I think that that's fair. It's fair because there's a pretty big extreme. And we've already, I've already wrote a ton about him, and others have as well, where I don't, obviously not blaming him at, at all because he's a good player. 
and everything, but I'm not blaming him for the hype because it's like with Mel Kuyper's first draft, he's the big name. Whatever you want to think of what he does or anything or how he talks about talent or whatever he's doing, he's been around, been around forever, so he's a, he's a big name essentially in this, in this field. So he had, um, I think it's on TV. I don't think it's a conference call, but it's like TV. And well, for before that, actually, he puts up number one in his, in his mock draft today I saw on that. Thursday. Going to the Cleveland Browns who drafted Deshaun Kaiser. What is he, a Notre Dame? Was that correct last year? Mm-hmm. He's, he was their starting quarterback, essentially. But they went back and forth. They're 0-16, 1-31 the past two years. So, I, I don't know. They have the they have two top five picks. They have their own pick at one. The Houston Texans pick of four, at four. And so, they're probably going to take a quarterback, even though I'm not an NFL guy. But it's like, well, I think you need other things besides a quarterback. But he picks him first, which makes a lot of sense because he's a top quarterback. But I'm fine with it. It's just it's not the Anthony, Anthony Bennett thing from UNLV, but it's also like I don't I don't I don't know. It, it maybe it might just jade because it's a talent thing that he didn't perform well because I'm stuck on that same passing percentage the past two years. Well, I mean, it's like I've said it many times. I guess it's worth saying again. Like I expected him to take a New step people. forward sometime this year, and he just never did. Where is it? I'm still looking. And <laughs> I mean, I've said it on podcasts. I know. I know that for a fact. Yes. And you know, one of those things is like you know you have to show that you can be accurate and. You know, we talked at length about the fact that, you know, Allen wasn't much better than he was when he was leading Wyoming to the division title last year. I expected him to be a little bit better, but he only had a 52 or excuse me, 56.2 percent completion rate. And I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, I went and I did some research back in December when we first started talking about, you know, Josh Allen, you know, maybe declaring for the NFL draft. Uh, I think this was before the potato bowl. And I went back, and since 2001, I'm just going to throw this list out here again. Go for it. The list of quarterbacks drafted in the first three rounds, so not even first-round picks, first three-round picks, with lower quarterback completion rates than Josh Allen had last year. Jake Locker, Kyle Bowler, Dave Ragone, Quincy Carter. Wait, Wait, Dave Ragone? Marcus Tuiasosopo, and Michael Vick. What year is this again? 01? Since 01. Those are the those are the six guys that had a lower completion rate than Josh Allen did. Drafted in the yeah, first three was, rounds. Was Dave Ragone from Louisville? Yes, he was. Okay. You know what I remember about Quincy Carter? That he was a mediocre Dallas Cowboys quarterback. They tried to run the option as a mediocre Dallas Cowboy quarterback. And, <laughs> you know, the, like obviously the ceiling there is probably Michael Vick. But I don't think anybody's arguing that Michael Vick ever really truly reached his ceiling because he was never quite as accurate as as people wanted him to be. And you know, when we've talked about Jeff Tedford in the past, I didn't, I haven't, you know, made any bones about the fact of how I feel about Kyle Bowler. You know, making the point that oh my god, he developed Kyle Bowler. No, he didn't. Kyle Bowler sucked in college, and he sucked for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's get over that he, right now. He did good enough to make him a first round draft pick. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean it was a good idea. I'm just, I know, I'm just saying. It's, and and even and you know, I and I read a lot of football outsiders, and you know, for our listeners, I definitely encourage you guys to do the same. One of the writers for for FO Aaron Schatz today mentioned, you know, again, Josh Allen isn't Carson Wentz; he's Jake Locker. You know, he's a big, mobile dude mm-hmm. with a big arm who can run a little bit, 
and this is not to say that Josh Allen has the same kind of you know you know deficit of desire that the locker had that he he eventually retired early, but you know raw tools are only going to get you so far at the next level, and you know it's not that I'm saying he's going to be a bad quarterback at the next level. But I think that the team that eventually drafts him, and I'm sure we'll talk about this ad nauseum in the weeks to come, you know, you better be prepared for for a wild ride one way or another. It's very true. And, like, I, if one uh, what other place you should look at, too, like you got FO, like you mentioned, Pro Football Focus, when you can get a hand of the, hold of their free stuff. Even I was lucky enough last year to get one of their paid versions for their draft stuff, which is really great, but it's a little pricey. I was just fortunate to get that. But NFL.com, they actually have the CFP 24-7 section. Like guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, um, Lance Zeering do a lot of good stuff as well over there. So there's a couple of them, especially with the Senior Bowl coming up. They always do these little tidbits, or Walter Football does good stuff like that as well. They do more of compiling stuff, not necessarily analysis as much. But there's the thing here over at NFL.com from Daniel Jeremiah asking five, excuse me, five executives about Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Four of the five chose Baker Mayfield, which – I can see that because part of it, competition is a big deal a little bit. When Allen is, uh, what's he, one in three versus P5 teams, one touchdown, eight picks, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. No, no, one in two. or I don't know. Whatever. It's not very good. Iowa, Oregon, and um, who else did they play? Uh, Nebraska? Yeah. Whatever. Not very good, obviously. Yeah, it's 0-3, oh, one, one TD, eight picks, five against the Nebraska game. And probably a couple fumbles to, to boot as well. So here's the thing. That that's I think that's legitimate reasoning, but here's one scout against him, and they um the one that picked or should be the one that picked Josh Allen. I'm telling you, um, actually no, this number four guy'd fire immediately. Let me give you number four executive here. They choose Baker Mayfield. This is weird though. He goes, this is pretty simple. Um, oh no, I jeez, oh, I can't read tonight. I'm reading two things at once. Sorry, never mind. He says it's simple. Allen's bigger. Better are, but Mayfield's better in about every other category. But the guy that picks Allen, which I get it, but it doesn't make sense. He goes, when you really study Allen, you realize how bad the supporting cast is. Fair. They couldn't even beat San Jose State when he was out of the lineup. He's going to be a great NFL quarterback, and the teams that pass on him will regret it. Okay, that San Jose State game was 13-7. to Maybe he gets a touchdown, but I, was he really that valuable? I know they went 0-2 and he was out. But I don't know if he, he he wasn't that good. Well, I mean, I place a lot of stock in what football outsiders do, do with their uh, their yearly draft quarterback projections, which that's not going to be out until April, and I'm sure we'll come back and talk about it at some point. But you know, I, I pay attention to the things that they that they look for, and you know, most of it comes down to team passing efficiency, completion percentage, and yards per attempt, and. Allen never, I mean, he, he stood out a little bit last year. Obviously, you know, we know he has the arm to make the big throw. But, you know, just looking at what he did this year, like he just, he never progressed in, in really any of those categories. I'm trying to remember what Allen Schatz had mentioned that, you know, I'm trying to pull this up real quick as, I, as I'm talking, that he was, I think, like eighth in, I think he was like, Okay, he was 8th in completion rate and 10th in yards per attempt in the Mountain West. Yeah, 6.7 yards per attempt this year. That's not good. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really interesting. It was when it, when they started talking about it this morning, like when everybody started talking, 
reacting to what Kuiper had said, you know, just going through some of the Twitter replies from other people who are invested in like following the draft was really interesting because, you know, one guy, I'm trying to, uh, Eric Galco, I think had mentioned something yeah, but about optimum scouting. Yeah. Yeah. And so his, you know, his question was why would teams covet Josh Allen in the top 10 when only a handful of teams liked Patrick Mahomes as a first rounder last year? He says he had asked 10 to 15 people this week. No one had given him a good answer. And that it was his belief, at least, that Mahomes was a better prospect in just about every single way. And, you know, yeah, obviously Mahomes came from a run-and-shoot offense at Texas Tech. But it seems like, at least within the last couple of years, like, obviously he only had a couple of starts this year. But he looked, like, super dynamic in the finale for Kansas City this year. And a reason he's pushing Alex Smith in the preseason to start. Yeah, and and of course, we can't forget about Jared Goff as well. Like, the difference that Sean McVay made for him in L.A. this year was, like, huge. You know what I mean? So Jeff Fisher. <laughs> so, Sorry. I mean, you see the kinds of throws that Mahomes is, is able to make, and you can kind of see where – I mean, if you watch the same kind of video, you can see Josh Allen make those kinds of plays as well. But – you know, when you go back to those numbers that, you know, to me that I, I'm really interested in following, like completion rate, do you have any idea what Mahomes' completion rate was last year? Um, over 70%, I'm guessing. Well, not quite, but it was 65.7. Okay. And his yards per attempt were 8.5, which ranked third among qualifying quarterbacks in the Big 12 last year. So... You know, obviously he was doing a lot of throwing. He had a lot of responsibility on his plate. He threw the ball over 600 times back in 2016. So, but he was making more of those opportunities than Allen did in either of his years as a starter. And Mm -hmm. that has to count for something. Like he has obviously a lot of the measurables that a team are going to look for. It's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be in the first round, but he's far from a surefire thing. And especially, especially at number one. Let me ask you, well, two things. One thing I come back to every time when people says, okay, I'll give people credit on this. There were a, t- there were a lot of drops on this team this mm-hmm. year. Talent was less. However, I come back to this every time and nobody gives me a good response. They're like, well, his talent's terrible. I'm like, okay, well, look at last year. His completion percentage last year was actually worse by point three, very minimal point three, but still worse last year than this year. But he also had three other NFL players on his team, a center and chase Roulier, who was going to start for, he played a lot for the Washington team this year was going to, I didn't keep up exactly, but there's talk of maybe starting as a rookie for the Redskins. Uh, Brian Hill drafted by the Falcons moved to practice squad now with the um, Bengals at the moment. And then, and then um, Tanner Gentry doing stuff with the bears as undrafted rookie as wide out. Mm-hmm. He had, he had the talent last year. Yeah. Center, Okay, what does the center do? Well, they block. They they're they're very important on your team. Obviously, the best running back ever in school history, and one of the better receivers since what Jay Novacek essentially tight end was in town. And you're telling me, and I know a step back. He didn't. He took a step back in yards per attempt, but completion rate was terrible. Touchdown to interception. Touchdowns were what? Uh, touchdowns were way down. Obviously, interceptions were better if you look at from in twelve in ten games or eleven games or what he played ten games this year missed. 11 missed two mm-hmm. nine games six picks okay last year full season 15 picks that's a little bit better clearly but like when i bring that up like well he had to talent last year how come his numbers weren't better last year nobody comes back with a good answer it's like i get it drops like maybe i'm falling into the trap i'm like if his if he was that good of talent last year why wasn't he completing 
much worse this year. He's basically the same quarterback in completion percentage. Downfield wasn't there because what Gentry did, him and um, C.J. Johnson did, one guy who could split the field and one guy underneath. So I always come up to that. I'm like, what, what, am I making sense when I'm saying that? Like, shouldn't you think by that logic he should complete like 48% of his passes because the talent was that much down compared to last year? I mean, you would think so. Um, I mean, even if you want to widen the umbrella, because like we we focused a lot on like you know his performance against Power Five opponents, and I think someone out there oh boy. mentioned you know Power Five I... opponents plus Boise. But even if you want to spread it out even further to just his performances against FBS teams that finished with a winning record between 2016 and 2017, you know last year in the nine games they played against teams with a winning record, his completion percentage was 54.1 percent, which is lower than his overall rate. This year, what you make makes sense. This year, it was fifty percent. Oh boy! <laughs> you know, and and last year it was eighth out of nine qualifying quarterbacks in the Mountain West. This year it was dead last. And you know, you want to look at yards per attempt, and you know he was a little bit better last year. It was seven point eight, which you know is fourth. It's pretty good. In winning games, right? In games winning against winning games. opponents, yes. This okay, year, opponents. Okay. this year five point one. Next to last, ninth out of ten. And, like, look also when he played San Diego State last year. Like, he had one bad game and one good game. Like, four, or actually, both games were okay. I was looking at the wrong team. Like, last year he played the Aztecs twice, top 25 national defense. He had five touchdowns, three picks. Mm-hmm. Bar- did, did not even complete 50% of his passes. Well, and, I mean, and if you want to look at, you know, touchdown to interception ratio between 2016 and 2017, 19 touchdowns. You want to you guess how many interceptions? Let's see. I know he had eight against a winning record teams. Nebraska did not have a winning record, so that's five I can't count. Dang it. Um, I don't know, 10? 17. What? Over the past two Over years? Over the last, past two years, 19 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That would be 22 if Nebraska won one more game last year in 2016. That's going to be something that teams are going to have to reckon with when they look at the tape, when they try to measure you know, the obvious strengths that he has versus the obvious weaknesses. Let me ask you this about two. We haven't even mentioned Kuiper's comments, but is uh, Josh Allen a winner? I mean, he did win a division title. Okay. When you say, let me, okay, let me refer to But I will will add that I also don't agree that stats are for losers. Well, we'll get to that in a moment, too. But here's here's my point here. Like, he goes, if you're going to be saying, hey, I want to go out to winner. Clearly, that's the case. And Josh Allen, not a loser by any stretch. Because I got some blowback on our Twitter accounts. Like, why are you negative to him? I'm like, I'm more negative into um, Kuyper shoehorning Allen into one. Because it's kind of it is kind of nitpicking what we're doing here. But, like you said, look at the guys you mentioned who had a worse QB rating since 01. Like, only Mike Vick really had a good NFL career, essentially. Bowler lasted a while. Um, Walker did okay, but flamed out. Tennessee, essentially. But... The winning thing, like he went against, um, he was f- what fourteen and nine against teams from the FBS. He had that one win this year against Gardner Webb, fifteen and nine. If I'm going to take a number one pick and you're saying he's a winner, that's not good enough for me. That's seven and a half wins per season. I know he missed two games, but that's only fifteen victories in two years, essentially. Well, I mean, and it kind of overlooks. Wait, the- whoa, sorry, wait, sorry. When he was a starter, I should say. I mean, and it, to some extent, I think it kind of overlooks like just how much responsibility he had in some of those games. Because I mean, if you remember the Hawaii game, it was you know he completed under fifty percent of his passes, but they won the game. Yeah. And you know he only threw the ball eleven times against the Air Force. They won that game pretty comfortably. 
he completed 50% of his passes against Colorado State. So, I mean, yeah, he did win some games, but it wasn't like he was a game changer as often as you know the win-loss record might suggest if you looked at nothing else. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're a winner, I want some guys winning, like, 85% of my games to call him a, I want a winner. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, yes, I know he won more games than he lost. He won the division title, nearly won the conference title, but – not, but, but that's, it's obviously a good accomplishment, but I want a guy that's, you want a winner. Give me some guys going 22 and two. That's a winner. Like you get my point. Like there's different ranges of being a winner. That guy's a good, like Allen plays well. He won games, did good. But like, if you're saying number one pick because he's a pure winner, he can win me some games. Well, I mean, I mean, I, if you're going to call Josh saying. Allen a winner, you'd better be calling Andrew Wingard and Carl Granderson and Johanna Guyfan yeah. winners too, and then come out for the draft. Logan in Wilson, year yeah, Austin Ford, because yeah. those guys had a much bigger impact on Wyoming's winning record the last two seasons. Yeah, plus eight versus Central Michigan. Carl Granderson had two defensive touchdowns. They were with the number. They don't need no freaking turnover prop or whatever to be number one in plus minus in the nation. They, it's a defense, like, arguably the defense better than offense by far and helped Josh Allen more than he helped them. Eighth, eighth Maybe not, yards per play it, allowed on defense this year in the in the country. Yeah. That's what made Josh Ima- Allen a winner this year. Imagine this. No, that's a great point. Imagine this. What if their defense was just average overall? Say 50th in the country. They would have more losses. They probably would not have beaten Hawaii. They probably wouldn't have beaten Utah State. Who knows if they beat Air Force or even CSU? They could have won like three games last year if they had just an average defense. Yeah. So, okay, stats for losers time. Um, <laughs> it's not. You know it's normally, not. Let's let's move on. <laughs> oh, real quick, real quick. You know who normally says that? Former athletes. Former athletes. Mel Kiper is the furthest thing from athlete I've seen since um, Joe Lenardi. <laughs> you know what, though? Taking Josh Allen number one would be the most Browns thing ever. It would be, and I, that's why I don't, oh, you know what Todd McShay said on this? We'll move on to some other news, but I think he'd be good for it for Cleveland. He's been in that cold weather playing there in Laramie. Sure, <sighs> sure. Are you? <laughs> that worked pretty well you, for Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, no, no, Notre Dame is what, uh, right there in Indiana, right by, right by Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. Here's one thing, if he does go to Cleveland, Josh Gordon seemed to be pretty good after sitting out, what, two plus years? So there's that going for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, the stats for losers, like, it they shouldn't be the end-all, be-all, but they should be a, a, a key aspect. You know what I mean? It's like we don't need to look at completion percentage only, total yards only, or whatever. But there's, like you mentioned, football outsiders. Go to football study hall. Go to pro football focus. There's a lot of other stats to look at that aren't straightforward that just look at completion percentage. Yeah, and I mean, you know I mean? when I say those things, I'm not saying it's like an end-all, be-all. But they are things that I personally place a lot of stock in. And so, you know, if you're looking for another perspective besides like the usual, but besides Mel Kuyper and the guys at ESPN, for instance, you know, this is a different way of looking at these players than you would get in more kind of mainstream media outlets. Yeah. And also like Mel Kuyper, part of the reason, and this is no slight against him, he's brilliant. He's been doing this forever. So, and he, he's not a dummy either for what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's a good guy. He knows knows a good amount of football. I'm not saying that by any means, but I was looking at one time like, oh, they're a football outsider or not football outsiders, football, um, pro football focus, excuse me. They're like, hey, do you want to come work for pro football focus? I'm like, I need a job like football. They have people that, that chart like essentially every play for every position. So you, there'd be times where I'd be having to watch a certain game. If I did this, I was looking into the details. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a bit too much for me. 
for like a part-time job that may be a ton of hours the first while because it takes time used to charting and watching a certain position. They go through, they watch way more film than anything else than Kuiper does. I can guarantee that. Like there's guys that watch every, like if you look at the tweets they put out, they're all the sets used. Like here's what the best guard did this week. Like how often is he watching a guard every game from Ball State? You know what I mean? It's like he does his research, but they do more in-depth stuff. So it's all like part of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So it's, you got to look at that stuff too because there's two dozen people, however many grading all these college or pro games. It's not it's not one guy. And so it's just part of a puzzle. And so like him saying stats are for losers, like come on. I wrote an article about it, so you're welcome, Kuiper. Get your name out there for whatever reason you want to because your hair is uh, fading. I don't know. But – We'll see where Allen goes, and he's got the Senior Bowl in two weeks. But another bowl thing real quick. We got the Shrine Bowl this week, mm-hmm. and we're going to move on quickly. I don't want to make this extremely long podcast. But they, we'll talk about Dijon Allen from Hawaii Offensive Lineman. He's getting the most publicity out of about anybody. He played tackle at Hawaii. He's going to move to guard, likely. He's getting a lot of just people, a lot of chatter talking about him. Because there's five guys there. You have uh, Nick Stevens, QB, um, Jake Bennett, um, center Devontae Boyd UNLV David Wells and David Wells also getting some pub as well as a tight end at 252 it's pretty good 6'5 uh, and Allen right there he's a little bit slight at 293 but one of the most interesting things besides Dijon Allen getting a ton of uh, publicity and doing well maybe a uh, left guard or something because he's been playing left tackle at Hawaii mm-hmm. but did you notice um I don't have the numbers in front of you but Jake Bennett his wingspan is like ridiculously small for his size was it Jake Bennett I, there was I forget it was one of the Mountain West linemen. They said his hand measurements were like absurd. Let me find out. Real I'm quick. pretty I'll sure it was Jake Bennett. They said he had like eight inch hands or something ridiculous like that. I'm pulling up right here. Sporting News had it up. So I think it's Bennett. Um, let's see here, Jake Bennett. Um, eight inch hands, but that no is it must have been Dejon Dejon Allen. He had nine and a half inch hands. Oh okay. I, I knew it was Bryce one Bobo. Of them. Oh, whoa, whoa. hold on. Bryce Bobo, wide receiver, Colorado, 10 and one eighth. Jeez. That is the largest with Josh Callu from Nebraska, cornerback. Oh, wait. James Looney, Cal DT, 10 and five eighths. Holy mackerel. I want to measure my hand just to see how big that is. I'm 6'4. I got some decent hand size. But Bennett, like his wingspan, because typically your wingspan is your height, essentially, mm-hmm. for the most part. But his was, uh, he's 6'2, one and a half. So that's what, um, 74 inches? I think so. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong because he's 77. Maybe. Oh, no. here It's the opposite. I apologize. The opposite. So I'm all over the place here. Dijon Allen. Another reason he might get picked up higher. 6'2", which is a seven, that's 74 inches. His wingspan is 80 inches. Almost 81. So, dang. And Devontae Boyd, UNLV receiver, is getting some publicity. He's talking about one of the better route runners this week. So I put a little quick article about some stats about what's going on with him. And how all these guys are doing. Because David Wells getting some publicity out there. But it looks like... And also, real quick. Um, Allen so far has met with the Eagles. Boyd met with the Rams, Chargers, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wells met with the Eagles, Panthers, and Giants. So, that's your little update on that. Uh, one last piece of news before we get to um, our main topic, I guess. Or whatever, breaking up in two. New Mexico found their offensive coordinator. Oh, they did. Today. Good for them. It's not official, but guys from The Athletic... Um, Chris Benini does coaching stuff. The guys from the Albuquerque Journal and I think Football Scoop as well. They're making the move to hire Arizona co-offensive coordinator and running backs coach Calvin McGee. Interesting. Part of the reason, 
part of the reason he's probably moving because new coach in Arizona with all the Rich Rod stuff. They brought in uh, Kevin Sumlin. But you think he might be a good fit. But here's the thing. Here's what he does. I was going through the article. I'm like, what could he do? What's going on? Bob Davies said they're going to basically keep the same offense. Because he got rid of Bob DeBeast um, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And he's basically the architect behind their offense. And he's over at uh, Georgia Southern, I want to say, running the same thing probably. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with Arizona, they're more of a – if you've seen Rich Rodriguez, what he's done across the country essentially. Kind of a sp- more of a spread attack, up-tempo. Because you've seen Khalil Tate, what he did this past year, Dark Horse Heisman ran for, what, 1,500 yards. Mm-hmm. He had Nick Foles who chucked in the past couple of years – when he's there in Arizona, losing effort all the time, but multiple 400-plus yard games in the air. However, um, Davey said they're going to kind of keep it the same. I think they're going to keep it the same short-term because that's what they have in their talent. I know they brought in a million wide receivers, and we talk about the throwbos. Maybe that's the case with uh, the new OC there in town. But I think they'll stick with what they're doing, but they're going to slowly move toward a passing spread attack over the next couple of years. But here's the thing. Every single year he was at Arizona – his offense, I guess part of the offensive staff, averaged 34.95 points, averaged 41 points this year. His low, which for the Pac-12, it's near the bottom, 24.8 points in 2016. That was his low for a scoring. Every other year was 35 or above. Well, it's not only that. You know, obviously, Rich Rod in his offense. Or offenses, excuse me, 30 or above. I mean, Rich Rod in his offenses have always been known as like the spread option, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see New Mexico incorporate a little more of that. But do they want to throw the ball more? Because if you go back over the Wildcats, you know, they're they're running attacks going back to 2012 when McGee basically assumed the position of, you know, running backs coach, co-offensive coordinator, and so on. Mm-hmm. Wildcats finished no worse than third every single year since 2012 in yards per carry. So, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe that's one of the kind of thing that gets overlooked. You know, obviously... This year he had you know, Khalil Tate to, to, to work with, but in years past, like for instance, Kadeem Carey was a really good mm-hmm. you know running back for the Wildcats for a couple of years, and even the guys behind Tate this year, you know JJ Taylor averaged you know he only had 847 yards, but he averaged 5.8 yards per carry, and you know last year Brian Dawkins only had 131 carries, but he averaged over seven yards a carry, so I think that you know even though they haven't had you know, let's let's say they haven't had a Rashad Penny type running back in a few years. It seems like the kind of offense, and I, and I admit I haven't seen them play that much in the last couple of years, but I get the sense just looking at the numbers that it's the kind of offense that, or the kind of system that enables just about any kind of running back to succeed because they haven't really had a workhorse since Carey, but you know, at least as far as their leading rushers have been since 2014, since Carey graduated. You know, in in 2014, for instance, their the freshman running back Nick Wilson, they you know, 1,300 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. In 2015, Jared Baker only had about 800 yards, but he averaged six yards per carry. So I think that that's good news for the stable of running backs that you know New Mexico is going to have coming back. You know, even if they don't necessarily have you know a, a surefire thrower, you know, and I think that's probably still the biggest question. You know, going into next year as it was coming into this year, I don't necessarily think that that's going to ba- be a bad thing. Sorry, my my computers are playing autoplay. I'm sorry about that. Um, but here's the thing about those offenses. Remember the Oregon Chip Kelly? 
like they were spread, but they also ran a lot too. Yeah. So it's not like people think, oh, spread, like maybe what Utah did or what Florida did or what teams did of those veins were four or five wide pass every time. No, they may go three to five wide, but they're going to run a ton as well to shotgun. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think they'll be, you're right, they'll be more of the running, but I think there'll be a slow transition to maybe the sets aren't going to be the diamond or the tight bunch formation. I think that could be eventually the change. But also with Tuiaki there, they're going to want – he's a better thrower than Lamar Jordan. Well, Jordan's graduating so, anyway, isn't he? That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, he has a better thrower this past year. So that's what I'm just getting at. Like, that's the point where they may want to throw a little bit more. But they're but sticking to what they do because, like I said, it's one of the most unique offenses in the country. Why mess with the thing where they can get – they can give – they can get victories without having to worry about stuff like that, where they can just run and slam it down the throat. Yeah. All right, so let's move on here. We're going to take a – we're going to do a quick um, advertisement here. Is that okay, folks? It better be because we're doing it anyways. Did you say advertisement? Yeah, why not? Advertisement. Advertisement? Yeah. You don't want the British uh, term of advertisement? Hashtag ad. Let's just stick with that. <laughs> Perfect. So we talked about this with Eli Bedker, who knew nothing about ebates.com. Are you familiar with ebates.com, Matt? I am somewhat familiar. I've heard it before. I I used to – I bet most people have. I used to not be familiar, but when I got familiar, I started rolling in the bucks. Maybe not big bucks, but I've gotten about $45, 30 to – well, pending, $45 upcoming year. So here's how it works. We want – Matt, would you, I want to get you 10 bucks. Would you like? What would you do with ten bucks if I can guarantee you ten dollars right now? I would probably go buy a six pack of, of hard cider of some kind. It's a good choice, not a burrito, but hard that's cider. That's cider okay. money. Okay, so that's yeah, it's more than guacamole money, yeah. right? So here's the thing: you help us out, we'll help you out. I can get you ten bucks. Um, here's what you do: I'll mention the code now, but it'll be in the show notes as well because it's not lengthy, but it's not easy enough to write down. But if you want to pause and get your pencil out. Here's what it is really quick. I'll give you the details of how awesome it is. But I'll get you you'll get ten bucks if you go to ebates.com backslash R for referral, obviously. Backslash again. My name, Jeremy4754. So ebates.com backslash R backslash Jeremy4754. What that can do for you, besides getting you ten bucks. Um, Matt, name a store. Where do you shop online? Give me a store you've shopped online the past six months. Ooh, um, Amazon for sure. Amazon, um, they're, they're picky there. Sorry. <laughs> Here's the Amazon, a little bit different. You can get 3% cash back on most clothes at Amazon. I know most people don't buy clothes at Amazon. But if you, oh, here's a, here's a good one right here. Do you ever buy videos from Amazon? Oh, of course I do. Like, do you ever rent? Three, how would you like to get 3% cash back on buying a, um, what, what movie's coming out? The new, um, whatever Star Wars comes out, you'll get, say, 3% cash back. I would love to be entertained and also make some money back. 3% cash back. Other stores, like I shop at walmart.com, 1% back. Okay, whatever. Macy's, I buy clothes there, 6% cash back. Basically, any store you can think of, like travel, like we went to Vegas this summer, I got 8% cash back staying at the MGM Grand. How awesome is that? That is pretty cool. I like that. So, so that's all I'm saying. So if you want to save some money, you'll get 10 bucks. You'll help our website out as well to get get Matt some more cider money. <laughs> that's the important stuff here. Just check our show notes, and there's – and one, one cool thing before we move on and we'll get to the good stuff here. There's also a Chrome extension, so you can't miss it. So if you're on a website, like I was buying some stuff one day, just some random website that I normally don't go to, 12% cash back. You're buying flowers for Mother, Mother's Day, birthday, Christmas, 15% back in all these places. So check it out. Save yourself some money. Earn some money. Who doesn't like free money? I like free money. 
All right, let's move on. Let's move on to our main topic. We're going to go back and say how wrong we were in 2017. Very. Speak for yourself. That's all we got for today, folks. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, you know what the most weirdest um, thing I was correct on? What's that? Two games I mentioned special teams would be a big, big factor, and I was correct on both of those games. That's true. I mentioned San Diego State, Boise State. There'd be a touchdown of some sort of special teams. That was the case. And then um, what was the other game? I forget. Tight Mountain was title game, right? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Special teams. So I'll be correct on that. Let's go back to the uh, MWC Wire predict San Diego State, Boise State, Mountain was title. Sort of, right? Kind of. Close. That's what we picked for the title game. This is all back on um, CFN pages. Oh, I have the wrong page up here. Crap. No, here we go. Here is um, – I don't have the right page up here. I, oh, I'm terrible at this. I have the page you sent me. That's not the right page. The one with our picks? Is that our pick? Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. Sorry. Oh, I was looking at something else. Never mind. So, the Mountain Division, Boise State. Correct. CSU, close second. Wyoming, third. Mexico, fourth. Air Force, Utah State, pull up the rear. We are wrong on Utah State, even though I still think they're the most wild, wildly inconsistent team in the conference. Mm-hmm. We didn't miss too much on that, did we? We got Boise State, right? That's what everybody cares about. Well, it was interesting, and, and I remember this. Like, it was a very close vote between Boise State and Colorado State because, you know, those two teams plus Wyoming Me? picking them one. <laughs> well, well, three of those three teams ended up sp- kind of splitting the first place vote, which is why you know out west when we when we voted San Diego State. It was basically, I believe, 11 out of 12 voters voted for the Aztecs. And so it was a lot more clear who we thought would win. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of what I think I said too many times in, in our preview podcasts last summer. It's like, you know, the Mountain Division is really hard to predict. And But is it? <laughs> it's been Boise for, well, sort of. I mean, I mean, it's hard to predict, like, the order of things. There we go, yes. <laughs> which is why, you know, you could, you could see where there could be a strong argument for CSU and you could see where there could be a strong argument for Boise state. And it seemed like a lot of people were convinced, you know, between those two teams, you know, that's why, you know, by the numbers, it was basically five points between them where there was, uh, by my math, 22 points between San Diego state and our preseason pick for second place in the West, which is Hawaii, which Oof. that did not work out very well. Yeah, and speaking of Hawaii, they lost their best receiver who was healthy. Dylan Colley's transferring. So. That's a bummer. Fresno State, how'd that work out? <laughs> Second year in a row where a team I picked to win two games in the preseason ended up winning its division. Wait, who last year? You had a, a Wyoming. Wyoming. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can't be too mad on Fresno State because everybody said they're going to be terrible. Well, not everybody. Some people thought they would be mediocre. Nobody thought they'd have a nine-game swing. Nobody thought they would have ten wins. Yeah. And what, the second-best turnaround since that Hawaii uh, Sugar Bowl team year? So, it's the one thing people wanted to point me out. Hey, you could talk about Jeremy picking CSU for a New Year's Six game? Sure. I don't think that was too far-fetched. They had the offense. They had arguably the best quarterback in the conference, best receiver, best offensive line, deep running stable. Defense was terrible, which we knew. They just underachieved. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll own it. I'm not gonna be that ashamed that i got got something wrong well okay let's not also forget that i also had the rams winning the division there you go back me up <laughs> yeah because like i was I, I remember 
staring at, at, at the mountain schedules in particular and being like, no, no, no order would surprise me. Because I, I, I had and I ended up having like a real disparity of winds between the west and the mountain because I had Boise finishing fourth, but only because I had them losing three times in conference. Like I had them winning nine mm-hmm. games, which you know by win total would have been the second most in the con- or excuse me, third most in the conference because I had San Diego State and CSU both winning 10 games. But, I mean, picking that division is hard. <laughs> so, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised when Boise, you know, after the shaky September, when I remember we were telling everybody, don't panic, this team's going to be fine, that they ended up, you know, the defense came together. The running game really good. The running game figured things out behind Alexander Madison. The offensive line started protecting the quarterbacks. And, you know, lo and behold, there's your conference champion. We also weren't really far off. You want to know? Because here's the or actual order of finish. We picked Boise correct. Mm-hmm. Wyoming and CSU flip spots with the same conference record, I might, might not add. So, and then you have Air Force who finished a f- fourth. They had Utah State and New Mexico. So we weren't really that far off, were we? Well, I mean, individually. Like, are we talking about collectively or individually? I mean, collectively over from the, what we chose as a, a team. Yeah, well, I think that um, Air Force beat Utah State, so technically they had the tiebreaker there. Like what I, what uh, I'm looking at on Google has correct. Utah State ahead of Air Force since they both finished four mm-hmm. and four in conference. Okay, um, but I'm or maybe it's because they ended up with one more win than the Falcons did. I'm not sure, but I know that Air Force technically I think finished fourth yeah. because yeah, they were four and head. four with one head to head. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the West Division. Obviously, I pick Aztecs going undefeated. Don't remember that. Remember that, folks. Aztec fans, I picked you to go undefeated. I was one of the few people that picked State beat Stanford. So come on, give me that too. Way back in like February, I last year I chose. Hey, they could beat Stanford. I could see mm-hmm. that. Even even with Bryce Love, so we went pretty bad. Like everybody, San Diego State picked the win. They got second. Uh, Fresno won. UNLV. I think Nevada is our big miss, even though they finished. Because the West is weird. You have three wins. They have Hawaii and San Jose State with uh, one win each. Hawaii was our biggest whiff, partly because John Ursura was gone, but you can't blame everything on him. They were so penalty-prone this year. Drew Brown was as consistent. Outside of um, Dyson, Macy, and Juice, it was pretty bad. Well, what's interesting is, you know, I had UNLV's overall record correct, and I had their standing correct. Like, I had them at 5-7. and seven. But I had them at three and five in conference. Obviously, we didn't expect them to lose to Howard the way that they did. But, you know, I had them slotted just about where I thought they would be. It was just, you know, everything around them. Like, obviously, Fresno State was a lot better. Hawaii was a little bit worse. And, you know, Nevada came in, came on a little bit at the end, you know, ended up with three wins. They were, you know, the offense eventually picked up, you know, and the defense kind of eventually picked it up in the last couple of weeks as well. So, um, should we get to our top games then? Let's do it. Or do you have it? Okay. All right. So, we have top 10 voted by our staff. I'll, this article is not up yet because I'm actually putting more time into it than just doing here's 10 games and be done with it. Mm-hmm. There's my alarm going off. Sorry. So, I'm still working on a little of the outlier stuff, just kind of like adding bits and pieces here and there. So, we have um, our staff put this list. Should we go 10 to 1? Yeah, let's do that. Actually, let's go with the game that did not make the list. Okay. The team. Our game, sorry. Howard, you could, because I mentioned that there's like no real criteria to this. Like, pick your ten games however you want. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't say like, oh, pick this, do that. Like basically, just pick the the ten, the, whatever ten games you want that spoke to you. Essentially, like the Heisman, most outstanding player, whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought Howard and UNLV would make the list. A few people voted for them, but they did not. That's one game that did not because if you don't remember, forty-five point underdog for Howard. Um, they ended up winning forty-three to forty, and UNLV kicked like four field goals. Well, maybe it was not considered the best because they lost that game. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, like, just the way the outcome came out, like t- the 10 most whatever games. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no denying that it was, like, a really epic game. It's just, you know, when I think of best games, I think of, like, exciting games and not necessarily games that fill you with a sense of dread, like, oh, my God, UNLV is really going to do this, aren't they? Exactly. Well, that could be exciting if you're going to win and you're not going to win. It's a, you know what I mean? That's where... I just felt also the indicate the game because um, it just kind of came, came to be. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about it. They win that game, they're in a bowl game. Yeah. So hindsight. Another game that – well, two other games that I mentioned like should be considered that did get votes. Um, Fresno started out in Mexico. That was kind of the game where, like, hey, maybe Fresno is really good this year. Particularly the defense when they held the Lobos to just 109 yards. Yeah. And then the other game was New Mexico State versus New Mexico – 30 to 28, one of the first Facebook games on Watch Stadium. It was 30 to 5 heading into the fourth quarter. They went to Tuviati replacing Lamar Jordan, scored 23 points in the final frame. It came up short 30 to 28. So those three missed the cut. I thought those had legitimate reasons to be in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other games that are not in the top 10 that we should have considered? Um, or been close? Like off your list that didn't make the top 10? Off of my list. I think the only one that didn't make the cut, I'm trying to look, I'm toggling back and forth as I talk. I know I should pull up mine as well while we're doing that. I guess I guess I one that I'm surprised positive. didn't make the list was the rainstorm game between San Diego State and Air Force. There was a couple people that didn't get enough votes though. I was close because that was a really wild game to watch. Where you know obviously there was the delay and then they had to kind of basically play through halftime and. You know, the defenses both played really well. And, you know, eventually Rashad Penny took over, as he did often this year, and, you know, made it hold up for the Aztecs. Maybe that made my calculator wrong, but, well, let's say it's on the outside. But the snow game made it in there maybe because it's a snow game, even though I thought that game was not as good. Mm-hmm. But here's the top ten, and we'll just do brief thoughts because we're not going to spend – there's no point in rehashing all these games again over. But number ten. Boise State, 38-28 over Oregon in the Las Vegas Bowl. Really goofy to watch. I'm totally on board with that selection. Partly because if those who forget really quick, we're putting highlights in all these as well, so you can go back and relive these games to see why they're good or elite or whatever you want to say. Boise was leading 24-0 with 37 seconds left in the first half. Snooze fest coming your way, right? Mm-hmm. Not so fast. Back-to-back defensive touchdowns, but Oregon make it 24-14. to Brian Harson letting it ride. No big deal. No kidding. And also the um, – I know people are kind of ticked on my all-bowl team. I'm like, well, when every player has, like, a tackle for a loss, I can't pick every player to be defensive MVP or on the front seven. But they looked bigger, pushed around, offense and defense line against an Oregon team. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that. Number nine, Fresno State 33, Houston 27 in the Sea Urchin at Oliver handoff. Pick six, tip Fresno State victory. Christmas Eve, 33-27. Totally okay with that. Uh, the game came to an awesome finish when Jaron Bryant, uh, like I said, a pick six tipped, 349 left in fourth quarter. Zoom, touchdown. 
All right, so next game here, Air Force, Utah State. This was like, it was 38-35 was the score. The game literally meant nothing because Air Force wasn't going to get a bowl game and Utah State was essentially a bowl game. I guess getting to seven wins would have made would have had any uh, drama mm-hmm. in bowl season, but the last little bit of this game was like, okay, Utah State's going to win. No, Air Force is going to win. No, Utah State have it, has it. So at the end of the game, really quick, for those who don't remember, I'll put this, I put this highlight in there. Highlight in there, Utah State was up 28-24, but then he had Santo Coppola strip sack or maybe he, I know at least recovered, fumble in the end zone. Air Force gets silly. Like, okay, Air Force is going to win. There's 14 more points in this game. Each team goes back and forth and scores. Air Force ends the game on the most Air Force drive ever. 10 plays, 75-yard touchdown drive for the win. I will always remember that one as like kind of like the first Isaiah Sanders game. Yeah, his first start. Yeah. Three touchdowns, 196 yards. Do you know how many carries he had in that game? I believe it was 44, if I'm not mistaken. You are you are right on the nose, 44 carries. Workhorse. Exactly. And so that that that's exciting. Like that's the best game the whole weekend, almost from any game. So then we have next game is where we mentioned this before. UNLV New Mexico, number seven, 38-35. Partly because Lobos had 482 rushing yards, five touchdowns. Armani Rogers had 211 in the air and 193 on the ground. So defense optional. I think just exactly both teams. That's a, not the option. Defense option. But th- those are always the best kinds of games. Let's 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 not beat around the bush. They're good. Yeah, yeah. I'd like a little defense, but this one where it was a big game, but it wasn't um, goofishly big, like 60 to 50 or something. Unless your name was Armani Rogers, 211 yards exactly. passing, 193 yards rushing. It's pretty good. I like. It'd be awesome to play. NCAA 18 with our Marty Rogers. Fingers crossed. <sighs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right, the snow game, which is higher than it probably should be. Wyoming 16, CSU 13. Um, I put it here in my, which you'll read. Let's be honest. One reason this game is here because of being the first snow game of the year. However, Josh, defensive struggle. Josh Allen led the game when he drive. Seven plays, 69 yards. Had a three-yard touchdown run by Kellen Overstreet for the victory. So, and Allen, I think, had a rushing touchdown as well. So, I think more aesthetics was that for the for the reason for that game. Could be. I mean, also the fact that it was a rivalry, and also the fact that both defenses played pretty well. And another another rival game, the Rams lost. Ouch. Sorry. Just saying. Truth. I had Sorry, to bring right? it up. <laughs> exactly. There's a reason they got a new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Sort of. All right. This game, Air Navy forty eight, Air Force forty five. Oh boy. Oh man. Classic. Yes. So the big, th- big thing about this game, I have the notes here. That's probably why I'm reading more than Matt since I studied a little, a little bit to get ready. But 28-10, halftime. 31-10, Navy leads. Air Force scores a touchdown on their next five straight possessions. Comes up short. Well, and then, and there was the blown coverage on their very last drive where you know Navy had... They, I mean, they had Navy dead to rights and they basically blew it. Yeah. There's 11 plays, 75 yard drive. That was like 90 seconds or something. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, there's the, the what, what the, what, what did um, Bradshaw throw? Like, not Bradshaw, um, shoot. Zach Aby. Yeah, Zach Aby. They have like what, four passes or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> One for a touchdown. Like, geez. Uh, yeah, that, that second half was like, touch. This is really defensive optional. Defense optional that game. It was just a, and it was also like a two hour game because they just run the whole time. Mm hmm. Number four, real quick, um, Boise State, Fresno State, 17-14. to 14, Mountain West title game. Less said about that, the better. 
No, I'm just kidding. Less than uh, Van Der Esch interception. Defense on both yeah. sides, and like you said, special teams as well. Exactly. Special teams return, the pick. I just think in that game, just really quick, uh, the Boise defense finally broke through late in the game, though, but they finally wore down that offensive line of Fresno. Also, Cedric Wilson. Yeah, and Cedric Wilson, and Van Der Esch as well, that guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's number four on the list. Um, San Diego State-Stanford, the power outage game. Remember that? Also known as one of Rashad Penny's mini games. Of 200-plus yards, right? Rashad Penny game part, what, four? No, one. <laughs> one. one of oh, that six. was the first one, okay. That, I believe that, that was his first 100, 200, not 100, excuse me, 200-yard game. And he didn't he have a special teams touchdown as well. Oh no, not two hundred yards. Sorry, one seventy five. Like I apologize, only one seventy five. <laughs> but he um, sort of outshined Bryce Love. They had that David Wells touchdown at the end of the game. Chris Chapman, Christian Chapman came up big. That's gonna be a nerving, nerving though. End of the game, you you have the ball, or they yeah they had the ball right when the power went out. They're about to I mm-hmm. think. But regardless, power outage. Yeah, game when you drive after the power outage, like half hour, crazy. Next game, number two could have been number one on the list, but it was not. Or it could have been number one. Excuse me. Washington State, 47. Boise State, 44. Triple overtime. You almost have to put any triple overtime in the top three somewhere. Exactly. So this game, there's my main takeaway, my little blurb I have, there's both teams had multiple quarterback changes. Um, But my biggest thing, Montel Cozart, the pick six. Well, shovel pass pick six. Well, and and while we're while we're talking about this game, we should probably send out our condolences to Tyler Helinski and his family. Yes, he played in that game. He came in to uh, help out when Luke Falk was struggling, and he, um, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. He took his own life recently, and if you have to talk about it, let people know about it if you feel that way. F- find somebody to chat for with. sure. Call a number. But that, but after the game itself, like he came in, played pretty well. Um, Back and forth, him like him and Luke Falk, um, triple overtime. Funny thing is, the first touchdown this game, if I remember in the game, Washington State didn't have an offensive touchdown until what, near the fourth quarter, late midway fourth quarter, I believe, late. I'm trying to remember. I think so. Because they, ha- I'm pulling up the drive chart here because there's that pick six which Cozart through the again ugliest shovel pass ever. I'll never yeah, forget. It, it wasn't until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and at that point, it was going into the fourth quarter really quick. It was only seventeen to ten. This game was forty-seven to forty-four. Three overtimes, and Boise made a few big plays to get going. Overtime just couldn't get it done. But this was a, this was one of the better games. Like if you stayed stayed up late to watch this, it was uh, your thing. And both teams had chances to win an over in the regulation, but three and outs. Um, there's a fumble. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Pick six on both sides. Fumble for a touchdown. I guess technically he was credited with a fumble for a touchdown. It says here for that uh, Cozart player mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I thought it was a pick six, but whatever. Uh, but, yeah, that's number two. Um, do you like the number one game that was chosen? I think it's a, Boise, I think it's a worthy choice, yes. Boise State 59, Colorado State 52 in overtime. Rams have still yet to beat Boise State ever. What was the lead that Colorado State had in this game? You know, 28-3, right? Wasn't that the lead? Most dangerous lead in sports. <laughs> Falcons and Rams have something to uh, reminisce about when they're out hanging out, when they bump into each other. Or when they get to the NFL, like, hey, you're the Rams, Falcons? Oh, sorry, 28-3. Remember that? Yeah, that sucked. Rams had this game. Rams were dominant. They were going to – they were up 21-3 in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. 
and just their defense, which we know has been terrible, not good, was not good. And Madison had 242, Rippon had 331. Those guys combined for seven touchdowns. Crazy. I mean, what's interesting is, like, if you go to ESPN and you look at the win probability for this game as it changes throughout, (laughs) Colorado State still had a 60% chance to win this game as late as 36 seconds left in the fourth quarter. (laughs) They did? I'm trying to look. Because they had a five-yard sack of Brett Rippon on Boise State's last drive in regulation. Oh, there it is right there. I'm trying to scroll over. over. Yeah, 60.8%. 36 seconds left after the sack. Next play, it jumped up to Boise at 50 when they go third and one. Mm-hmm. Or next time it's charted. But it just it's a good game to watch. And it's a tough one, too, if you're a Ramson. Obviously, you had the big lead. Going to beat Boise State. Was this on the blue turf? I forget. No, it was in Fort Collins. Uh, in Fort Collins. At their new stadium. So that's a tough one to lose. And that's what we chose as the top game of the year. So if you want to read more of that, um, maybe you already did read it. You want to hear us talk about it. It'll be up on our site. Um, there'll be linked to as well within the article, the podcast here, but I think that's good for tonight. We gone, we, we give, we give people what they want. This is a, a 56 minute podcast in the off season. Sweet. What else do you want? What else do you want? Right. You're, you're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. That's our show for tonight. MWR.com. Check us out. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, blog talk, radio, Stitcher, um, pocket cast. I don't know wherever you get, wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend and give a review. That'd be appreciated. Five stars, obviously, but if we're not a five-star material, tell us how how we could be five stars. I think that's fair, right? Yes. All right, we'll see you um, probably each each and every – no, I didn't say probably. We will hear from us every Friday talking football through the offseason, and we'll see you next time, folks.